welcome back to another episode of Well-Lit Pass. Here we are in Psalm 23, one of the most written about, commented on, and studied chapters in the Psalms. Uh, is it possible that the Holy Spirit has something fresh for us here today? Well, we're about to find out. But first, how's your week? Uh, a new chapter starts for me today in my life. Uh, a former chapter closed last week. Uh, the Lord has provided a new job for me and my family, and I'm excited to see where he takes it. Uh, in talking with my new boss last week, I was made aware that several of the leadership staff at the job that I'm going to are believers, and it's like it's an answered prayer that I hadn't even prayed. Uh, that led me to think kind of how the Lord blesses in things we didn't even know we needed. I mean, I knew he was leading me to a new job. Uh, I knew he had something for me. I didn't know that he would also provide some additional spiritual provision um, on top of the physical provision that he was giving. Uh, it'll be a new experience for me. I've never worked closely with other Christians in leadership roles uh, I'm looking forward to a uh, potential fellowship and conversations I've just never really been able to have at work before. Uh, I, I really don't know what to expect, uh, but I do expect good things. And isn't that just like our good shepherd to lead us through a valley to greener pastures, waters that are even more still? Uh, David, once again, does a wonderful job in this most popular of Psalms, potentially one of the most loved. Uh, Lee telling us of how our Lord, his Lord, provides such an all-encompassing just ways that he does things in every facet of our lives. So let's get started. Psalm 23, beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, from the opener, David sets the scene for us. He knew all too well the care and time and affection that went into shepherding a flock of sheep. Having spent a good part of his youth caring for his father's sheep himself, his intimate knowledge of what kind of work it takes to care for curious sheep makes him all the more acutely aware of the accurate comparison of our Lord being our shepherd. You know, the common theme that I found in researching this passage was that sheep are dumb, right? Uh, left to their own devices, sheep will eat rocks, thinking they're food, and die. Uh, sheep will wander off a cliff and die. Sheep will eat the wrong plant and die. As a matter of fact, it's, it's kind of amazing how simple it is for sheep to do something that we would consider inherently stupid and die. The truth of the matter is, is that sheep are curious. Uh, they are dependent. They're dependent on each other. They're dependent on a shepherd. Uh, they, they form relationships, what we might call friendships, with other sheep. And they grieve when one of their friends die. 
Uh, sheep are also very prone to kind of wander off because they'll become so singularly focused on one thing that they neglect all of the other things around them. You know, they'll follow a swath of delicious grass right over the edge of a cliff, just unaware that the cliff was even there. Uh, they'll follow other sheep simply because that's the direction the other sheep are going, regardless of whether the, where the path leads. Uh, they won't drink good nourishing water if it makes too much noise, simply because they allow their fear to become their focus, neglecting to see the life-giving water in front of them. But hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself. But do we see, though, that sheep aren't intrinsically dumb? Um, but also, do we see how much we're like them? Maybe we don't get scared by running water so much that we don't drink it, but is there an application there in our lives? Well, let's start at the start and see where David, the shepherd boy, and our good shepherd take us here in Psalm 23. The shepherd has only the good and the safety and the survival of the sheep at heart. So when David says that the Lord is our shepherd, he's immediately letting us know our God only wants what's best for us. Well, why would he care? After all, he's God and we are just sinful creatures prone to follow the crowd, prone to wander off and get into trouble. Why would an almighty God care what's best for us and then watch over us to ensure that it comes to pass? Well, we're his handiwork. He invested life into us, his own breath. And in doing so, we became his image bearers. And what kind of God would he be if he didn't wish to ensure that his image was exactly as he intended? And more than that, he has so great a love for us, not just for those who are his sheep, his children, but for the whole world. His love for us was so great that he gave his only begotten son to die for us to ensure that we could be his sheep and be under his direct and active care. So why would he care? Well, he created us to care for us. And as God, he doesn't have the ability in his character to not care for us. Now, when we accept his son, he places us in his flock. No more to worry, no more to want. He's now the shepherd. Where we were once wandering, uh, susceptible to all manner of harm and attacks, we're now in his protection. And in his protection, what could we possibly want for? Aren't his blessings so manifold that we could not or we cannot contain them? Didn't we discuss in the last psalm how he abides with us in every heartache? When in the heartache is not our only desire healing? Well, he desires to heal us and delivers the healing, fulfilling the want that we may have had. And isn't this the case in the Christian life daily? We need shelter, food, clothing. He provides a skill set and a job so that we're clothed, fed, and sheltered. He takes our personality and our talents, those that are imparted to us by the shepherd himself, and makes us to be exceptional in our work. Well, and maybe we work at home 
maybe we're self-employed. Does not God also make us excellent in the work which he's placed us in, regardless of where or what it is? How could we want for more? But don't misunderstand want here as a desire or a goal. This is provisional want, as in the provisions that we need. He provides for us so that we have no need of any further provision from any other source. He provides the skill, the intellect. He provides the resources. But our physical want is not all that he provides for. In loneliness, he provides companionship. In hurt, he provides healing. In heartache, he mends brokenness. In trouble, in despair, he provides peace. How does he make us not to want? In every verse to come, David describes how he provides for us. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. There's so much in the green pasture. In the green pasture, there's food. The grass hasn't been cut. It's full of life and it's sweet. Here, we can be fed. This is his provision for our bodies. And it's important here to note that the, the shepherd would go ahead of the flock to a new pasture. And while he's there, he would find all of the harmful elements in the pasture and remove them. Uh, rocks, poisonous plants, harmful herbs. This is the type of pasture our Lord leads us to. He's prepared a feast for us. In his provision for our bodies, he wants us to take in things that are beneficial for us. And I, I, I can't help but note here, Christian, does our diet reflect things that are healthy? But not just in the physicality of the green pasture, he also prepares the green grass of his word for us to feast on always. Spurgeon said so adequately that here our lips never touch the dust of unfruitful Bible passages, for there are none. Yet just as sheep, don't we sometimes look over to the next pasture, the one the shepherd hasn't prepared for us yet, the one that he's fenced us off from? If we find ourselves eating harmful herbs or rocks that have no nutritional value, do we look up to check and see what pasture we've wandered into? Because it won't, it most definitely won't be the one he's led us to. When we find ourselves here, this should prompt us to turn back and find where the flock is at. Where's the shepherd? Where's that sweet grass that we need? We won't find what we need to grow in him in the strange pastures of the world. Are we feeling malnourished? Are we feeling weak and sickly? Well, have we been feeding on the grass of his word? Have we been feasting with the other sheep in the pasture of his leading? And as we're being led, are we being led by the still waters? As I mentioned very briefly, running water that makes too much sound will actually scare sheep away from it. That's how timid they are. And how like our Lord to lead us to waters that are just perfect for us. He doesn't bring turmoil into our lives. He leads us from turmoil to still waters. And how refreshing when we've come through a battle, a struggle to look and see that we've come to a shallow brook. That there are others that are drinking here as well. 
And they too may have come from some trouble, some kind of struggle. The living water revives us, revitalizes us. And as we've fed from his word, so now we feed in his worship because he saved us. I think sometimes we have this like type of separation in our minds. We go to church, we join together in worship, but we, we still have like this separation. We might say, well, I enjoy the singing part of it more. Or someone might say, I enjoy the preaching more. Uh, we have our private Bible studies with our Lord during the week, but then we don't have any private singing with him. We fail sometimes, I think, to marry the two as one worship. But I would ask, what's the grass without the water? What's the water without the grass? I would say that they're codependent on each other, and we should see them both as what they are, worship. And as we worship, are we also being nourished? Because what better way to be nourished than in the worship of our Lord. As we lift our voices in song, as we sing songs and hymns of praise, as we lift the name of Jesus on high, worshiping three in one, we drink in the nourishment that worship brings to our souls. We receive the healing we've needed because God is glorified in worship. We're recharged because knowing he's good and letting him know that we know, it's revitalizing. It's spirit lifting. And then on top of that, to be nourished by his word, to hear how he has good plans for us, to hear of how he's over all and above all, to hear that he is high and lifted up, to hear that he loves us, that he cares for us. And as we feast in green pastures and drink from the still waters of his praise, is our soul not restored? how he's woven our nourishment into his praise and that in praising him, in worshiping him, we're restored and refreshed. If our soul's not lifted up in Sunday worship, what grass are we feeding on? What water are we not able to drink because we've followed our own way to a, a roaring stream where we're just too afraid to drink from it? Have we ingested the rocks of a strange pasture? Is our stomach heavy with earthly things? I would say praise him to have your soul restored. He can purge all of those things from your life if you lose yourself in his worship. You'll be fed and nourished by exactly what you need, exactly the provision you're dependent on if you'll just worship him. You know, we need to lay aside our tired excuses. Well, Satan really hindered my family and I this morning. Oh, I'm, I'm just not feeling like today is going to be a good Sunday. I have to hurry up and get this service over with so I can get on with the rest of my day. Well, you know what? I'm walking out if the pastor isn't done by noon because there's a football game on today. What pasture are we feeding in? What grass are we laying down in? Is it dry? Is the grass we're laying down in like dry and full of fleas? And then we wonder why we feel like something's off in our lives, why we feel drained and, and weak all the time. You know, I, I kind of wish I could make, I would find myself making up excuses for worship. I, 
things like, well, you know what? I actually can't go to the gun show this weekend. I planned on spending some extra time with the worship team, uh, just playing music and worshiping God like outside of church. Or, or what about, I'm not making any other plans for Sunday because who knows how God may move in the congregation. Hey, the worship may go on until well after one o'clock. Or my wife and I are busy this weekend, actually. We, 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 can't, we can't make that. Uh, we're doing a Bible study together, and we're, really, we're just really wrapped up in this passage right now. Uh, so we've, we've, we've really just set some time aside to study and pray over this passage together. Huh. Yet sometimes we're guilty of like mocking that mentality as, oh, you're so super Christian, or wow, you're, you're being extra Christian today. I'm not saying let's make it the story of every day or every weekend, but what if we didn't treat worship like an inconvenience? Would we find ourselves in paths of righteousness? The thought here is when it comes to paths of righteousness is that it would be a well-worn, frequently traveled path that continually brought prosperity to our lives in both our spiritual and physical needs. Do we find ourselves on that path? You know, I can't think, I can't help but think of like the pathways that our, our mind makes, um, the, the way that our brain works. So the more we do something a certain way, the more our brain creates these actual shortcuts or pathways so that we get to the same conclusion faster. So this happens in our daily lives the more we practice a certain thought, thought process. So this is why as a logistics professional, I can look at a problem and I'm able to work it out logistically faster than someone who hasn't been in the industry for 20 years. It's also the same way a police officer or an investigator can assess a crime scene quicker or evaluate evidence more efficiently, seeing things that others might not see. You see, their brain has followed this line of thought so many times that it naturally gets there quicker. These are the types of paths that the Lord wants to lead us on. You know, a problem arises in our lives and we immediately go to our shepherd with it because we've done it so often now, it seems to be the only path that's available to us. Or the Lord blesses us and we immediately run to him overflowing with thankfulness and praise because it's the path we've taken so many times now, it's, it's not even a thought for us to do otherwise. Are we letting him lead us to these paths? Are these the shortcuts our brain takes or are we relying on other shortcuts, ones that do not praise, ones that are not beneficial? While one path can feel more like a rut, the paths that the shepherd wants to lead us on are like high mountain paths where the sun is in our face and he's right there with us, guiding us, communing with us. Well, he wants this to be our default path. It's where he leads us. But what about when a not-so-well-worn path is in front of us? What about the dark path before us? How will we react? I have to ask, is this the first valley we've been through? What if the pasture we've just come from is no longer a good pasture for us? What if we've eaten all of the good grass that was right for us, the water that nourished us? What if we've worshipped as he desires us to and grown as he's instructed us to? What if this valley 
leads to a higher pasture with better grass and sweeter water. A place that draws us into worship even more that we find the well-worn path even easier to identify. And what if the only way to get there is through this valley? The valley where he grows us, the valley where he helps us, where he allows us to lean on him. No, the valley where he even carries us for a time. What if this is the valley that forges the shortcut in our synapses to go to him more quickly, to trust him more fully? When we approach the valley with the shepherd, what is there to fear? Doesn't he have our best interests at heart? Hasn't he led us through a valley before? Hasn't he been with us the whole time, never leaving us, never forsaking us? What evil could possibly beset us when we walk with him through this trial? What could harm us as long as we pay attention to his correction and comfort? He uses his rod to guide us away from that pitfall over there. He pulls us to him as we walk just a little too close to the edge of the path with his staff. And then with his rod, he prods us to walk out front for a few moments. Is there not comfort in his correction and his protection? And aren't they one and the same? What if he were to not use the rod to push us into safety? What if he were to withhold the staff from pulling us out of the brambles we fell into? What would happen if we stumbled into a valley without him? What if we strayed from the path that's well-worn, where he's led other sheep through this same valley so many times before? And make no mistake, the way through the valley is the same for us all. Trust him, follow him, listen to his voice, and he'll lead you out to the other side. We look to his leading and his guidance so many times as prohibitive when it's the exact opposite. He has only plans to prosper you. He wants to restore your soul. And it's in this restoration, even in the valley where the predator lurks, where every corner could mean a fall, He's prepared the way if we follow it, but he also lays out a table. There, in the midst of the darkest valley beset on every side, in him we somehow find that we're nourished. He's thought to bring provision for us. He's found a place where he protects us while we feast. How many times in the lowest of lows have we called out to God or found strength and solace in his word, though the world seemed to be crashing down around us? What calamity have we faced where a message or a song hasn't brought some sense of peace with it, letting us know that the Lord still sits on the throne and that he still cares for us? That no valley is so dark his light can't light the way for us, that he can't sustain us even there. Is this not the valley he's leading us through to more blessings and abundance on the other side? Is this not the valley that he's blessing us in even now? Is this not the valley where he's even protecting us from harmful thoughts and attitudes? 
You know, it was interesting in a conversation with just a, a beloved brother who doesn't know I'm going to use him this week. Pete, I love you. Uh, you have no idea what kind of blessing you've been to me. Uh, even uh, I've even been thinking about this passage differently after our conversation last Wednesday. Uh, Pete pointed out a beautiful fact that I'd been previously unaware of from a book that he'd read with his family that I just have to share. Uh, when a shepherd anointed the head of the sheep with oil, uh, there was a practical purpose to it. Nose flies will lay their eggs on and in the noses of sheep. And as these eggs hatch and the larvae begin to mature, they bite and pick at the sheep's nose and head, uh, so much so that even sometimes the larva will get up into the brain. And this will cause the sheep to bash their heads against anything they can just to find some relief from it. But so much will the sheep be in distress that they could even bash their heads against something so hard that it would kill them. So the shepherd takes the oil and pours it on the sheep's head. And this makes the flies and the eggs that they try to lay kind of slide off. While the flies will still bug the sheep, they'll, they'll buzz around them and um, bother them. They won't be able to lay eggs. And this saves the sheep from potentially just bashing themselves to death. And isn't that just like our Lord to protect us from ourselves? When he prepares this table before us, and the op there's this opportunity to worship him in the valley, we can get distracted by thoughts that plague us. Man, is God punishing me for something? What did I do to deserve this? You know what? I'm literally the only one that's suffering right now. I'm all alone in this valley. Is this, is this valley ever going to end? But in comes our shepherd, and he anoints our heads with oil. He makes it possible for all those thoughts and feelings of negativity to slide away from us, and we're left with blessing upon blessing in the valley. Our cup is so full that we're, we're spilling it out. Literally, blessings just, just falling out on the ground, on the people around us. This is the life of a Christian. Aren't you going through a rough time right now? somebody may ask. And our response to be, yeah, but isn't God good? He, he's seen me through other like horrible times like this, and, and I'm sure it won't be the worst one. But I don't ever have to be alone when it gets rough. He, he still just feeds me and cares for me. And they're like, oh, whoops, sorry. I didn't mean to spill some of that blessing on you. You know, when we talk about having joy in every situation, joy isn't being immune or oblivious to the situation. It's seeing the situation and knowing that God can help us through anything if we lean on him. The joy is in knowing that he's conquered before and that he continues to conquer on our behalf. There's no valley too dark he can't lead us through and sustain us while we're in it. But then, oh, the pasture on the other side. How good he is to us. 
Oh, look, look over there at the green grass, how, how lush and long it is. I, I, I bet that won't only make great food, but it'll be soft to lay down in. What comfort there is in God's word. What sustenance to be found in every book, every chapter, every verse. Oh, and look over there, a stream, calm and serene. The steady flow of his praise is good enough to drink and I want more of it. This stream here has, has sweeter water, it seems, the praise richer and more meaningful on this side of the valley than it was on the other side of the valley. It's, it's like water I've never had, never been able to appreciate fully. What a mercy that we get to be renewed in his word and his praise daily in every moment. And knowing that where he is, we can always be. Our Lord, our shepherd is our home, no matter where we are. Forever his means forever found. And while we may roam and we may try to distance ourselves from him, he's never any further away than us turning around to find him right where he's always been. Still watching over us still trying to guide us. And we may be a little bruised from ignoring his prodding, but he's been continually trying to pull us back to the well-worn path he's been trying to lead us on. And the beauty in the entire passage is that not once in the journey are we abandoned or alone. What evil can touch us when we're in his will? What valley can be our end when he lights the path for us? And I find that verse six leads us back to verse one all over again. And would that we see our life as endless Psalm 23 cycles. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I just follow him wherever he goes. And when I follow him, he, he gives me good things. He allows me to be as close to him as I want to be. When I stay close to him, no valley is so low that he can't find a better pasture on the other side of it. Yet even in the valley, he somehow seems to grow me and feed me and bring me peace. He protects me even from my own doubts and insecurities by showing me that his goodness and his mercy cover all of my wickedness. And in trusting him, he made me to dwell in his presence forever. On this side of eternity, to be ever present in spirit. And on the other side, to dwell with him eternally physically. To see him face to face. And then to, if we would just repeat that pattern over and over again. Pasture, path, valley praise, pasture, path, valley, praise. Hey, thanks for walking with me a while as we read the word together. Won't you join me again next week? We'll walk just a little bit further. If you like the podcast, go ahead and hit that follow button. If you have any questions about salvation or general podcast questions, uh, reach out to us via email at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.com. 
Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Facebook by looking for LWBC underscore publications. 